it sort of grew organically, a bit like a spider's web. All the volunteers and champions want broadband for themselves. They want it for the communities, the families, the villages. They just want broadband, and that gets us involved in the first place, and that's what got Barn started. There were a few of us really wanted better broadband. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering, and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. Since the internet plays such a vital role in most of our lives these days, it's easy to think that broadband is something that you can get anywhere. But it isn't. There are many parts of the UK where you won't get signal at all. And that is in part because getting the internet out to rural areas isn't profitable enough for the companies and the government, the people in charge of providing this important infrastructure. So in today's episode, I travel from Lancaster, where I live, into rural Lancashire to talk to the people involved in BARN, which stands for Broadband for the Rural North, where the number four is pronounced as an A. To get to Barn HQ involved getting one of the few buses through the forest of Boland, which feels very much like you're travelling on a bus through the Shire, past a field with some llamas in, up a dirt track, to the top of a hill where you can see the Yorkshire Dales rising up above you. And across to the other side, there's Kendall and the Lake District, and a little bit below that, there's Arnside and Silverdale along the coast. In this beautiful and hilly location, I spoke to Chris Condor, who is the co-founder of Barn, as well as some other Barn volunteers and staff, and to some participants at their Friday Computer Club, where people get technical help for their broadband. Barn is a bold initiative where a group of people who simply wanted access to the internet decided to start their own community-run broadband infrastructure. It's an inspiring example of a DIY tech story. For some of my childhood, I grew up in the countryside. That was before the internet existed, and it was really interesting to me to consider what it's like to live in rural areas, both in terms of how difficult it can be to get the internet, but also in terms of the things that the internet can open up for people living in remote communities. My name's Christine Condor and I'm one of the founder members of Barn and I just tend to do stuff on the help desk, install houses, run the computer club with the other volunteers and uh, generally enjoy myself. It's been a bit of a rainy morning but now the sun has come out and we're out the back of the Barn HQ I guess. Yes, it's uh, HQ and the birds are singing and all's well in the world. So yeah, what is Barn and what led you to co-found it? The same thing that all the volunteers and champions want. They want broadband for themselves. They want it for the communities, the families, the villages. They just want broadband and that gets us involved in the first place and that's what got Barn started. There were a few of us really wanted better broadband. We'd been involved with running a mesh wireless network with the university as a research project but we couldn't get a feed good enough to serve more customers and build a viable commercial network that could support itself. So we teamed up with Barry 
Ford, who is the brains behind Barn, and he was in another village that wanted it. And to connect with wireless, you've got to have line of sight. And with all these hills and trees and things around here, line of sight doesn't work very well. So he said, we'll do it properly. We'll get a fibre feed into each village. And that was really how Barn started. Right. And and in what areas does Barn work? How do you decide where to operate and uh, where do you plan to extend your reach to? Well, when we started, the original project was for the eight parishes of the people who initially founded Barn. There were eight parishes. And then the plan was to extend to two other zones right next to it in following years. But what seemed to happen was the eight parishes got going. One or two of them didn't really get going. They were slow. But then what we found was parishes on the outskirts of the eight parishes wanted to join in so they were accepted once they'd raised enough money and it sort of grew organically a bit like a spider's web now it's well over 50 parishes are involved and we've now got splinter groups in other parts of the country either building their own networks on our model to their own specifications and prices or becoming part of Barn. So Barn will run them eventually and help them through it all. A lot of projects were greatly helped by the government EIS scheme which meant that all our shareholders, we had raised £200,000 to start off to buy the duct but everybody who bought shares got 30% tax back from the government if they were UK taxpayers which was a great incentive for people to buy shares but the government stopped that now which means a lot of groups like ours are going to struggle to get a toe in the water and get started. There are government vouchers that will help you but the problem with those is you only get them once you've brought a customer live so you've got to find some money up front to start your network and build your network before you can claim the vouchers. So there's very limited support for schemes like this and you've really got to have people with guts and hopefully people with some money to get you started. And uh, what ingredients were necessary to set up Barn? in the first place total madness I would think looking back (laughs) just determination we were all determined to make this work we were all desperate to get a decent connection we tried absolutely every other thing that we could and nothing would work there's very limited mobile signal in most of these areas you can't even get 2G let alone 3 or 4G well there wasn't 4G when we started but you couldn't get 3G in most places even with massive antennas on tops of hills you could barely pick it up and even if you could pick it up you couldn't do things like YouTube and iPlayer because data is so expensive on mobile so it was just pure desperation we have got to do something and because we were lucky enough to have somebody like Barry who knew what he was talking about and could make a business plan we were aware a lot of groups just the same as us hadn't got a Barry it was Barry that's made the network possible. And uh, do customers get involved with Barn as volunteers and in what ways can locals get involved? It's all built by our customers everything is built by our customers they either put enough money in in shares to pay a digger man to do what they ask him to do or they pay a handyman to dig through the garden or they dig it themselves all the core routes are built by the volunteers and the champions barn hardly ever do any of that part themselves the community involved sees to it all the community talks to landowners make sure this part of the field is where the farmer wants it to go make sure the maps are accurate organizes the digging and helps the digger men get it in and get it in properly 
happily. My name's George Haston. I currently live in Brookhouse, which is 12 minutes drive from the Barn Head Office. I have been a volunteer coordinator, so voluntary, for the last three years, leading and building my own barn network in the village of 450 houses. We've split the village into two, so there are two of us that are working together to get barn throughout our community. So it's slightly different to our normal barn model, as in we don't get lots of green fields to go in, apart from around the edge of the village. I'm digging garden to garden to garden to get people connected. So three weeks ago, I got a job here at barn as the volunteer coordinator and trainer, and I'm helping all the other areas who are in build mainly continue what they're doing and help them overcome and resolve issues and problems. But because I've done it myself, and I've done it in a very, very difficult urban area, I've experienced a lot of things. I've already got a lot of contacts, and I'm trying to ensure that we are continuing the community growth of barn because we're not building just fibre broadband we're building communities we're building connections and we're building relationships and I'm just now addicted so I have to continue my addiction but at least I get paid for it and I can devote all of my time and energy to it and use my area as a training ground to support new groups so that's my mission and through this project we are rebuilding communities I really strongly believe that It's beautiful coming through on the way here today, but yeah, very hilly. Yes, and that rules out a lot of Wi-Fi. It did work in a little community network down one valley, but to get it from one valley to the next valley was going to be very difficult, and that's where we needed a proper network organiser and planner and that's where Barry stepped in. He'd been retired for three years. He was a network planner at Lancaster University and head of computing at Lancaster. So he had all the contacts, he knew how to do it, and he wanted it in his village. So he's led the project from the start as Barry. And you were saying as well, before we started recording, that when that initial mesh broadband didn't work, you sort of managed to recycle the the materials for that as well. It's not that it didn't work, it did work perfectly. In the small area we deployed it, there were mesh boxes from Locust World to start with and they were quite slow but effective. But then the problem was when somebody bright invented YouTube and iPlayer, our little mesh network couldn't run on the bandwidth we had. And so we upgraded it with the Network Research Special Unit at Lancaster University and we built new mesh boxes that we put on people's houses. And that project ran for a while with funding from the university. But what we wanted was enough backhaul that we could afford ourselves to keep it running and that's when we got involved with Barry and built Barn because he said you need fibre you've got to have a fibre feed and you've got to have your own fibre feed as the network grew our village got fibre and the mesh network was then redundant we've dismantled it and we brought all the stuff here to Barn we were approached by Sierra Leone who wanted to do a a fibre network but of course couldn't afford it and we said well we've got a load of mesh kit that we're taking down and you can have it So we kept piling it up in a corner till we had a full pallet load and then they came and collected it. So it's all been recycled to Sierra Leone because it's perfectly good kit. It's just we don't do wireless, we just do fibre to the home. Broadband providers don't always reach rural areas. How common an issue is that in the UK and why does it happen? It happens because rural areas aren't profitable enough. And so by law, the British Telecom had to provide a telephone for everybody. And there's very few houses in this country 
country do not have a telephone from BT. It's one of the best telephone networks in the world and it's got a massive workforce that keep it working. It employs virtually the population of Ireland to run it, but it's now obsolete. Most people use mobiles now, certainly most youngsters do, and a lot of them don't know the landline phone number, but they have to have a landline to get broadband. So at the moment, what BT are doing, they put equipment in telephone exchanges that mean instead of dial-up, which uses your phone line and you can't make a phone call at the same time, which is what we all had at first, they have got DSLAMs in the telephone exchanges that can let you make a phone call and have broadband. And that is very, very lucrative for them. They're making billions. I mean, one of the bosses got a £10 million bonus just lately. They're making a lot of money and the shareholders are getting a lot of money. If they're going to run a fibre out to a rural area, it's going to cost them a lot of money so they don't do it. They concentrate on the towns and the cities and get these cabinets in. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's a good business model. It's making the most of the assets they've already got and it's making them a heck of a lot of money. And it's also providing a fairly good internet service for the majority of our population. What gets me is the fact that they're calling it fibre broadband and it's not fibre broadband unless it's a fibre to the home. It's coming down a phone line, it's shared and it's only up to a certain speed. So if you live within 300 metres from a cabinet, you will get their advertised speeds, which are usually up to 30 meg for one product or up to 80 meg for another product and you pay accordingly. But if you're 500 metres from the cabinet or a kilometre or two kilometres, the speed drops significantly till it's worse than ordinary broadband but you're still classed as having super fast fibre broadband. If you're like us and you're 11 kilometres from a cabinet or an exchange, you can't get anything still. So in a lot of our area where Balm works, you can't even get dial-up because the lines are so crackly and poor, you can't even make dial-up work and often your phone doesn't work for weeks on end and it's not profitable enough to repair it, so they just don't. We are totally ignored in the rural areas and it's not just our rural area, we get calls from all over the country. Also from towns where they've got very poor landlines or even aluminium landlines and the connection goes round and round the houses before it gets to them, so they're as bad as rural people, they've got very poor broadband, but statistically they have super fast fibre. Right, and how has Barn changed this scenario? We've changed it by doing it properly and we run a fibre to every single home in the parishes we've adopted and so each parish has to raise enough money to buy the ducting and the fibre and the equipment for their parish and then we give it all back to them and and show them how to do it and they dig it all in. It's run by champions and volunteers, the nearly all retired people because the young people are all out at work and they can't give the time up. So they build the network with the ducting, they install every house with the little boxes that it needs and then barn staff come along or barn volunteers and blow fibre through and then we connect them and they're live. My full name is Robert Allen Southwell, but I'm known as Allen. How have you been affected by the time when you had a bad connection from BT? I wish I had a pound for every hour I spent on the phone to India, a call centre, trying to get my feeble BT uh, Wi-Fi connection sorted. The utter frustration and the angst was almost ill-inducing. It was really bad. 
Now I don't have any of that. My name is Philip Cosgrove, and what brought us today was that we've just been put onto uh, superfast broadband with Barn, and basically I just needed some help with a router, and I also needed some help with our Vonage system, which combines with the broadband system. It gives us telephone access via the internet. We've been affected with poor broadband and also mobile signal as well in our area. What's your general experience been as a barn user? Well, whoa, I had BT on a seven mile long piece of copper cable and I was paying a lot of money per month for a speed that was less than one megabit per second. Now I have 72, so BT is a distant memory and I have barn and I'm very happy, thank you. We dug in our own connection. Barn brought the glass fibre system to a hub just about uh, maybe... 50 metres away. We were on uh, from one megabyte to one gigabyte in an instant, which was unbelievable. How much work and cost goes into maintaining the broadband? I'm not absolutely sure of the accurate operating costs, but we have one COO, which is Tom, and he's in charge of the whole network. And we have three technicians who work with him and maintain the network. We have six fusion splicers who actually make the network and repair the network if there's any breaks and we've got Barry and of course we've all the admin staff which also goes into your costing for who runs the network isn't it so you'd have to ask one of the clever people for an accurate costing but we are wiping our faces and we can make it work and we're sustainable which is the main thing the only reason we need money in the vouchers is to help new parishes get going because we haven't got EIS anymore but if we stop building now this network could just carry on running we're completely sustainable that's brilliant, that's brilliant. My name's Martin Lang. I retired from the Merchant Navy two and a half years ago and Barn was coming to the village so I got involved just to dig really and it went from strength to strength. I completely believe in Barn and what it can do for the village and I just became more and more involved to the point now where I'm going back to people's houses and helping sort the Wi-Fi's out and different problems they may have in their homes. The village we're talking about is Silverdale which is a village I've walked around a lot, I've, I've done a lot of beautiful walks in the the countryside and the coast around there but it is quite remote I guess and so that's why you need barn. Serving the barn to the village puts living in the city at a disadvantage really because it's a thousand megabits per second and the utility companies really can't look at delivering that sort of speed. So we've got people now working from home who couldn't ordinarily work from home. They are video conferencing, not losing the customers because the screens are pixelating. People I talk to are very happy with it. I moved from London to Lancaster partly because it's so expensive to live in London but if I'd have known I could move somewhere like Silverdale and get such a good internet connection maybe I would have made that decision instead. How have you found volunteering for Barn? I mean I've heard it's quite a physical workout. Well when you've done two days back to back yes you're aching all over. It depends what you're out doing. I mean to get the ducks to the house you've got to go through gardens. We are mainly on a limestone outcrop in Silverdale so there's a lot of cutting to be done and you can't go very deep before you hit limestone so it's it's very physical. Yeah. I guess it's nice being out there and, and, and physically doing stuff. It is such a beautiful area that it must be nice to work out in, although it's quite rainy sometimes, I guess. Well, we've been out in all weathers, we've been out in the snow, we've even got an award for being out in the snow. When you can take a moment and glance around, it is a nice area, nice to be out there doing something 
positive for the village. Yes, it is. In the age of climate change, have you thought about how community-run infrastructure can help in the context of disaster like floods and fires and stuff like that? Yes, we've had some dealings with that and we do make sure everything we've built has got a complete battery backup. Unlike BT cabinets that you've got four hours with, our cabinets have a battery backup that will work for usually about 12 hours, but that gives us plenty of time to get the generators in. And when we had Storm Desmond, which was three years ago, when the whole valley was flooded, the whole of Lancaster and Kendall were off, and eventually all the broadband went off as well, whereas our area was affected too, but all our cabinets carried on running. And all the people who, to broadband, is an essential utility, have their own battery backups in the house, and also mobile devices, and so they were perfectly all right too when the major infrastructure provider in the country their connections were off little tiny barns were still running so we plan for that we also are really supportive of fiber broadband in general because it takes so little to run it whereas the old telephone exchanges are very resource heavy the equipment to run it is very expensive and liable to damage and is failing with age the telephone exchanges if you look at them a lot of them are falling down and it's not being maintained whereas fiber costs so little to light the equipment and so little in electricity it's a far more eco-friendly way of providing communications than a telephone line being based in Lancaster that makes me nervous and if in future months I can't get a podcast in on time because the internet's all crashed I'll have to come over to Mellon to get onto some internet here Do you engage with schools and education projects and uh, how do kids react when learning about the physical infrastructure behind the internet? We don't necessarily teach them about the physical infrastructure of the internet because none of the teachers have asked us to do that. But when we just connected Cellside School, which is now Minton Sprint area, which is just north of Kendall, and the children were really involved in the actual installation of barn in their school. Uh, it's a very proactive school and they had to guess which colour tube the air was going to come down they had to watch the fibre blown through they watched the fusing process and they were very interested in it and they made it into like a fun project we provide a free internet connection to all primary schools small primary schools a free internet connection to all churches and places of worship at the director's discretion because some people could say their front room is a place of worship all the churches in the valley now have internet and if they want to live stream funerals or weddings or christenings they can do they can do whatever they want with it. They're tending to change a lot of our churches into more social areas of meeting. So instead of just a place of worship, these really big old churches are having coffee mornings and get togethers and sewings and knittings and they've got the internet there and it's all free provided by Barn. What's the most important thing that you need the internet for? Probably leisure is the biggest thing. The internet is a massive innovation in my lifetime and my kids have grown up with it. I grew up with libraries and go and, go and get a book if you wanted to find out something. So the internet allows me into all sorts of knowledge bases. News, that's that's the big one. I'm constantly uh, on BBC finding out what's going on in the world. My access to news has changed. Instead of making a point of sitting down at 6 o'clock for the 6 o'clock news, the information is to hand. All sorts of information is to hand and that's what I use it for. My name's Anne Sheridan. I'm one of the lead volunteers at Clapham, Clapham Hyperfast. 
and I help out at the computer club on Friday afternoon, which is why I'm here. What skills do you share at these events? Connectivity, how to get a Wi-Fi signal around someone's house, particularly if they've got a problem with thick walls. I'm sort of the resident Apple iPad expert and also if anybody's got any camera issues i sometimes run workshops on editing digital photos on free software and what have you learned from volunteering at barn how to dig holes (laughs) how to hold duct the value of really good internet connectivity and how to swear at contractors (laughs) why did you get involved with barn in the first place I was very, very stupid. I sent out a leaflet when I stood for the parish council saying that broadband was shocking and something should be done about it. As a result, when I was elected, the chairman of the parish council told me about Barn and told me to get on with it. And that's how I got involved in Barn. Are you a barn user yourself and can you tell us about your experience with it? Yes, I am a barn user. We were able to get rid of our satellite TV. We only now watch TV through the internet because it's cheaper and more effective and we're not tied to schedules. I do a lot of photography and I use it to upload photographs onto Flickr and sites like that. I also use social media a lot, Facebook and Twitter and that enables me to sort of broadcast views and do campaigns. Having a very fast internet service helps with that. Right, I mean, I think you've answered this question with with that last one, but what's the most important thing that you need the internet for? It's convenience more than anything else and communication. My view about the internet and social media is that it gives everyone a voice and that is what is important. You've got quite canny approaches to providing kit for people. Can you say a little bit about that? When we were doing the wireless mesh in my village, nobody knew what broadband was. And we got the whole village sort of involved in coming and trying out a computer in our little computer club in the village hall and learning how to do things and then helping each other do things, helping each other get onto the mesh in the first place. In those days, computers were just computers. And to get on a wireless mesh, you had to make your computer pick up wireless. So we borrowed and begged lots of little dongles. The city council actually gave us a couple of thousand pounds in funding and we bought these little wireless dongles that people plugged into the computer and dragged down the wireless signal and showed them how to use them. And then some people bought their own and gave us ours back and we lent them out to other people. And then when we started Barn, we had the same issue. People didn't know how to get Wi-Fi or an Ethernet up to their office in the back bedroom and all sorts of things like that so what we did is there's a company provides a free phone line and if you join that company they give you a 50 pounds amazon voucher and each little group is allowed i think it's 10 which is about 500 pounds worth of amazon vouchers so we got the computer club to get some amazon vouchers and we started buying different bits of kit to lend out to people so we've got a nice storeroom now with a bit of everything in so people could come and say I need to get Wi-Fi all through my house and it's only in one place at the moment so we'll say well how much money do you want to spend and do you want to try this cheap one first and this is what you can move up to if you win the lottery and so they can try this very cheap solution £25 take it away if it works they can buy 
buy it or return it and buy a different one or try a different one. So we run this club every Friday, two till four, and people come. They say what the problem is. There's three or four volunteers there every week to help them and to advise them, and they can take this stuff away. And it's all sort of subsidised by these bondage vouchers that we get. But they're stopping in June, so I don't know we'll go on then. We'll have to make sure we get every bit of kit back and don't lose any. And we can just keep recycling it week after week as people bring it back or buy it and then we replace it with another new one. Do you want to say a little bit more about what the computer clubs are and what led Barn to start them in the first place? Well, basically the same thing as led us to start it in the old days with the mesh. People say it's all well and good having a gigabit symmetrical connection in my house, but I've had the box put in my lounge and I want to take my iPad to bed. I mean, we'd one lady who rang us up and said, Barn Internet goes off at 10 o'clock every night and it doesn't come back on till 7 o'clock in the morning. And we checked her line and everything else and there was no dropouts on her line because we can check all that remotely with our equipment here at the knock. And we couldn't understand it. But then it turns out she was taking her iPad to bed and once she got to her bedroom in her house, there was no signal from the Wi-Fi from the router. And so she would no signal till she brought her iPad down next morning. And lots and lots of people are like that. It's not that they're stupid. This is a, actually a very clever lady. But they just don't know about Wi-Fi. And so the club is mainly for Wi-Fi and getting it around your house. And so we said we've got to have a meet-up every week where people can come and find out more. And then we thought, well, it's no good sending them to Amazon or PC World to buy something and then it's wrong. And so we said, right, well, we'll buy the stuff. So it started off me personally buying the stuff and making sure I got my money back. And then it's morphed into, we'll use the Amazon vouchers. So we grabbed as many Amazon vouchers as we could and bought as much stuff as we could. And now we say to the champions in each area, in each parish, use a refer a friend link from somebody else. Then once you're on this product, this free phone line, if your customer and your parishioners and your people want to join it, you send them a refer a friend link. You can get your 10 vouchers and you buy a couple of meshes and a couple of sets of home plugs and then they don't have to come all the way to Melin to borrow some. Run your own little loan scheme and do it that way. My name's Phil Stone. I became a volunteer at the Computer Club mainly because I suppose I'd done a lot of work with Barn around my parish. That had come to an end. I quite liked helping people so I just heard about this and thought I'd come along and continue to help. My background's in avionics and aerospace technology but I use networks to a degree in that as well. So what I use here is mainly sort of self-taught. Right, so you were a volunteer with Barn first. So Yeah, I was basically helping out because we wanted the Barn network in our village. The only way to do it is you basically volunteer and you make sure it comes towards your needs rather than it disappearing up the valley. So you get literally stuck in doing that. We got the service four years ago and since then it's a case of being it's brilliant. But as I say, you can still come and help people. And there's, there's lots and lots of people need help to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a contrast between volunteering, doing the barn work and then volunteering here, right? Yeah, totally different. Yeah, I mean, you do get sort of crossover questions, so people will ask you about how do I get the service connected to my house? I can help to a degree with that from just previous experience. But then most of the time, people in here, it's basically they've either got the service or are just about to get the service. They're asking questions about how do I get the broadband wireless connection around my house improved or what can you advise me about smart TVs? We get all sorts of weird and wonderful questions come in. Can you tell us more about your funding and your crowdfunding campaign? Well we've never had any funding at all. Barnes has been financed totally by the people by buying shares aided by this EIS scheme which gave them 30% back straight away. It also meant that they couldn't sell them for three years and we didn't pay any interest for three years so we had their money 
for three years to use it and get people connected to start bringing money back in in order to pay them back. And that's how Barn was funded. We've had no government funding whatsoever. We had £5,000 from the Trafford Boland Area of Natural Beauty, which paid for our early meetings, printing, advertisements in Lancaster Guardian and the Visitor and stuff like that. But that's the only support we've ever had. And then three, four years into the project, we knew we would have to get some funding. That was in the business plan we would have to have a loan to increase the build out and when it came time to do it we couldn't get a loan off anybody nobody would give us a loan at a price we could afford to pay back so we turned to the Esme Fairburn Foundation and they gave us I think it was a £300,000 loan that we've now paid back and that kept us going again there was no help or support from the government there was no help from the county council the county council gave all the public money to BT for their cabinets because they foolishly believed that that is fibre broadband which it isn't but that's up to them so we didn't have any help at all now we're getting to the stage where we either stay as we are or we grow massively because our boundaries are so big there are so many parishes wanting to join on to us and so the directors and the shareholders agreed at the last AGM that we would apply for crowdfunding crowdfunding is five million pounds and five million pounds will see us through the next stage of our growth and then we have to decide again are we going to continue growing or stay there as we are and according to Barry at the last AGM what he said was we'll continue to grow and we're heading more northwards than southwards and we're going to stop at the Scottish borders. So we first started digging back in 2017 when Jeff's wife was Pooley and we needed to get him connected. He lived on the back of the field and had a connection ready. He'd already had it dug in and he said, when is barn coming? When am I going to have it? And I said, when you've dug everybody else's house around you. So we set off and three months later, the whole of that area was connected. Then we moved on to my area because I wanted to get it to my house and we dug 120 metres by hand to get to the church which gets a free connection and then it came across to my house and then we've just moved along and up the village. I'm only 43, I've got two young children, I'm not retired, I don't have loads of time on my hands and I'm not awash with cash so if I can save money on my utility bills, have a much better service, that's what motivated me to get barn. I didn't realise I'd have to build it myself though. <laughs> my biggest thing at the moment is I've got the school connected and that's what I needed to do. They're saving about 4000 pounds a year by having barn in the school so that four thousand pounds is extra money to help my children in in their education is there anything you wish that i'd asked you or you'd like to add yes i'd just like to add how absolutely fantastic the communities are they're the odd cantankerous person or whatever but the majority of people are absolutely amazing and the friends everybody's made the social cohesion that it's built whereas in the villages over the years kids have tended to go to university and not come back because there's nothing for them and there's no internet when they get home so they can't keep in touch with their friends and so people have moved out, people have got old, retired people have bought the places and they've not really mixed into the community or been accepted whereas now because everybody's door knocking and saying are you digging your garden up, can I help you and will you help me do mine, can we share a dig through the garden, can I help you put your box on or will you help me put my box on, I can't do it and so now everybody in the village is tends to know 
know each other, which is just amazing how everybody knows everybody else. And there's new friendships made. People are invited into the bowling club when they've only been living in the village for a year, which is unheard of. You've got to live here 40 years before you get into the bowling club. (laughs) And you hear these stories all the time. And my role in Barn is listening to all these stories, repeating these stories, introducing people and just generally pimping Barn, really. There's so many stories to tell. It's amazing how wonderful these people are. All of the people that I met at Barn were incredibly friendly and really open to talking to me. And I found it a really inspiring example of how a community can work together for everybody's benefit. It was also an important reminder that we can't take for granted that everybody has equal access to technology. For many of us in our work, having fast access to the internet is essential, but also just there, like turning on your tap and getting water, or flicking a light switch and getting light. But just like those two examples, this access isn't universal and isn't something that we should take for granted. One of the things that I found really engaging about Barn is that it has had an effect on influencing the culture in the areas that it operates. People have become more educated about how the internet works, with mesh becoming a part of their everyday vocabulary. And while broadband for rural areas may not be seen as profitable for BT or for the UK government, it clearly has value, an almost unquantifiable value. It contributes to community cohesion, to education, to the ways that these communities can deal with things like flooding and other natural or environmental disasters. It provides employment, it gives people new purpose in their lives, it offers intergenerational and across community collaboration and communication, and it creates stories and friendships. Chris and Barry and the people who started Barn did so because they wanted to be connected to the internet. But through pursuing that aim, they ended up connecting so much more, connecting people together and demonstrating the way that communities coming together with a shared purpose can have the power to create real, tangible change for themselves and for the world around them. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at therestartproject.org. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. And big thanks to Restart's communications assistant, Isabel, who did the research and planning for this episode. It's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody. 